um, we also didn't realize that suddenly growing the team has a big impact on culture as well. Culture can't be written up on a poster and stuck on the wall, right? Your culture is is an, an, an outcome of the people who are on the team. Welcome to Stuck in Design, where our founders share candid conversations about design, creativity, and business. Let's begin. Yeah, today we have some questions um, more relating to, I guess, stuck and how um, maybe certain processes has evolved over time. Throughout working and growing stuck, right, has there been any pro- design processes that have um, stood the test of time? There are, I think, quite a lot of tools still get used, but if you are talking about fundamental processes, um, I think there are two fundamental processes. One is that uh, change is the, the, the need for constant change. Um, and I think that's tied to our desire to always question why we are doing things a certain way, right? So I think that's a process that's quite ingrained in how we look at um, when there's a challenge, are we asking the right questions? Are we framing the right problems? Um, are we reframing the questions in the right way or the problems in the right way? And that is, I think, one of the fundamental process uh, in our design practice which, which never changes. Um, I think how that has affected stuff also stretches to the organization. Um, early days when we were naive and willing to experiment with different things, we looked at you know, why, why do consultancies have to be structured a certain way? Why do uh, re- even things like salaries, um, even things related to HR incentives, um, why do they have to be done this way? Um, not all of them are successful experiments, um, but I think the premise is that we are cu- fundamentally curious about these things and what would happen if we changed it? How would the dynamics change? And you know, if that brings about uh, incremental difference or you know, something that's really, uh, that, that has more impact. Yeah, so that's one. Um, let me see, the, a second thing which we have always kept. Um, okay, and it's something that we have always kept and that's also relevant to the current situation is that as a, as a team, even when we are a really small team working together, I know it sounds very cliche, right? Design companies and collaboration, but it, it really is uh, something that's a big part of why we think um, we can continue to do good work is because of the different people on the team. And it goes back to, I think the first one, which is how do you keep a fresh perspective on getting new questions, asking um, asking the right questions? Um, how do you get new perspective on are we or are the users looking at this in the same way that we do, right? And having that, having that team, whether it's a team of three, um, to be able to uh, elicit that difference in viewpoint uh, and to question each other's assumptions, that is something that as we've grown now to a team of 20 plus, um, it still is a fundamental part of um, that collaborative process, whether we bring internal team members or even client team members, um, that's something that we hold quite dear to. So, which is why when COVID happened, we're still trying to engineer that through um, how we can organize brainstorm sessions, um, our Sticky Tuesday sessions, which is um, 
um, having the full team on for us for sharing project learnings or insights and even the daily huddles, which I mean are in the process of being tweaked, right? We know that there are things which work that 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 also don't work. Um, but the thing is that in the spirit of you know doing, we try. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean maybe on the flip side then, you know, as you've mentioned that stuff has um, grown in size and also in dabbling into new areas. Um, what have you seen then new processes that needed to come into play? Mm. And um, yeah, were they expected? Are these design processes or business processes? Design processes? Design processes. Okay, so we've been very resistant about going the full... Um, you know, as companies grow, the reason processes come in a lot of times is because things mess up. Right, and processes come in to prevent those mess ups. So it's like a slap on the wrist. Like we found something that broke, and now we put a process in place so we don't make this mistake again. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, those processes are intended to um, prevent maybe five percent of the mistakes, and they become a hindrance for ninety-five percent of you know the other people who actually wouldn't have made those mistakes. Um, so it's a, uh, I think. In disproportionate amount of processes are intended to do that, um, which end up getting becoming more of a hindrance, right? So um, we are quite wary of you know as we grow, what processes you know do you start having project managers? Do you start having um, different parts in not just the um, design process but also the design project management process, which make things run better. Uh, so we've been quite resistant to that. Um, and instead, we've been trying to say, how can we th rethink the project management process that still allows clients to feel very close to the, the design team who, who is tackling the project? Can the lead still be part of the project management? Or do we have a supporting designer do it? Just because sometimes it feels a little bit um, detached. Right? You have a project manager who is the, the business face of the project. Um, the taskmaster and the whipping boy or girl, and then um, you have the team who is doing the work. And we felt that sometimes it can be a disconnect. So in terms of processes, I think that one, we've tried to change it um, to be able to handle a wider range of projects, but still have enough uh, independence for the teams to run their own projects. So a lot of, team, a lot of the designers are being empowered to be able to lead and manage their projects. So that's maybe from a project management perspective. From a design perspective, I would say most of the processes, they're not really new processes, I would say. I think they're still based on some of the fundamental things we mentioned earlier. But now that the team is bigger, how can we figure out how to integrate it without um, other team members feeling like it's touch and go? Like a, like a research project, for example, that you're really familiar with, right? How can we still have research projects where it's not a handoff between researcher and designer and there you take it and then, you know, do your stuff, I'm going on to my next research project. Because that is really efficient, but at the same time, there are so many nuances that get missed that the researcher really still has and also the potential latent creative solutions that the researcher also brings to the team apart from the designers. Yeah, so I think those new processes, uh, I, I mean, I can't think of a specific process, but I think how, how we run the projects take into account this 
consideration, right? And I think on the far end, um, we really do think a lot about what is the future of consulting, right? We had um, consulting back in the days where it's built around the craft and about building turnkey solutions for um, companies who want product innovation. And we've seen the next phase of innovation 2.0 where it's around human-centered design. And IDEO has, a big, has been a big champion for this uh, human-centered design. And I think as that starts to you know, get a lot of momentum and starting to be commonplace, we are also keeping our eyes ahead and, and seeing what is innovation 3.0 for consultancies? Um, how can we have a finger on the pulse? And I think also given the current situation where a lot of companies are thinking about, oh, what does this big shift mean for our business? I think a big part of it will be about futures thinking. How can companies also be uh, role in other aspects of uh, the, the periphery of human-centered design into their futures thinking and looking at how they can shift innovation in their businesses. Um, seeing trends in um, the trends in design and in the industry over the years has stuck kind of always um, aligned to these trends, or has have we tried to you know try to diverge away from it? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I would say a lot of the... There's a few things here, right? One is the local context that um, being placed in Singapore, we have the benefit of a little bit of foresight because what, what impacts the industry usually trickles down to Singapore a little bit later, right? So... I don't know if you can call that trends, but I think these may be more macro things which affect how companies want to operate, how they want to position the innovation. And um, having that position of hindsight or foresight, depending on <laughs> which side of the coin you're looking at, um, means that we are also in a better position to preempt it and react to it. So I don't think it's about following trends, but it's about being aware of hey, what is really happening um, elsewhere? What is happening globally? What is happening in adjacent industries that can inform the work that we do? Um, if you are talking about stylistic trends, then I think um, Stuck doesn't really have a certain brand of aesthetic, um, nor do we have a certain uh, kind of brand of style. What is really more important to us is why are we designing something and not what it looks like. So um, a lot of the work is informed by the team members who are on the team, um, how they make design decisions and the clients that we work with and evaluating what is right for brand, um, what is their risk appetite in terms of um, their differentiation. Um, and I think that is, from a stylistic standpoint, that is our, yeah, our thing. Yep. So, I mean, you mentioned earlier about um, what innovation would look like for consultancies in yes. you know the upcoming years, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just interesting to to kind of understand how um, you take something that you see happening maybe elsewhere in the world, and how do you then apply that to where you see stock should be headed towards? Yeah. So the thing is, we don't know as well, right? It is a considered guess. It is also, 
I think a part of um, I think there's a deep curiosity on the team and also passion uh, individual right we all have different things that motivates the team and it's finding different team members and tapping on what really are they curious about what they are passionate about and how does this fit into the work or feed and fit into the work that we want to do um, so when we are talking about you know what could innovation be yeah on us I guess on a strategic level we are looking at um, what market needs are what potential market needs are but at the same time we are also looking at you know what can this team do uh, what does the team enjoy doing and also who are the people out there who think like us who can add to this um, to the mix who can push push the needle right because we are we are only we are kind of limited by our own perspective our own judgment and I think as the team grows we will also need to take in more viewpoints um, a different diversity of experiences to be able to move the company um, to get you know to get there and to keep thinking about hey yeah you know how is consultancy shifting and how can we one position ourselves to be relevant or reinvent ourselves to be relevant um, and for now we don't have the answer but um, as you know there are quite a few initiatives that's happening um, to you know to look at hey what are the what are the potential opportunities that um, we can actually shift the shift focus shift the needle um, for yeah for stock kind of over the years right as in the process of going um, stuck as a company have there been any uh, I guess major lessons that you've learned um, from different roles that you play so as a designer as a boss as a mentor yeah were there, too many yeah, <laughs> yeah were there any you know sort of um, really memorable things that you've learned in the process of growing stuff yeah I guess it depends on who's the audience and what you're interested in Be- because we I think it, this ties in with the question at the start right we we have been um, suckers for punishment we have been trying to see you know what can we change what what can we do differently so naturally along with that comes a lot of mistakes um, and and then there are learnings from those mistakes um, let me see some okay so one thing that's memorable um, at I think at a midpoint in Stuck's growth is that there was a time where Stuck grew quite quickly. Um, bef- uh, I think when I think we jumped from a team of six to twelve or fifteen really quickly. Um, but we actually didn't we didn't plan it well. Um, so a lot of things broke during that process. We realized on the front end we didn't have certain business development. Um, processes in place to make sure that there is a consistent stream of work to feed the, the, the suddenly larger team. Um, we also didn't realize that that suddenly growing the team has a big impact on culture as well. Because we don't have we don't have a culture well culture can't be written up on a poster and stuck on the wall, right? Your culture is is an an, an outcome of the people who are on the team. Um, so suddenly we had this big shift where half the team was different. They brought along a different kind of culture with them and also because we didn't have some uh, processes in place it meant that um, work wasn't as consistent right both in terms of the amount of work coming in and also the type of work going out Um, and 
And so when we realize that, when we realize this, um, it's not something that we can change immediately, right? Because we're not the team which um, hires and fires people. We can't, you know, if we bring them on, our our role as um, I'm putting on my head, HR hat now, right? So our role as as a company is also to help our team members grow and also help them find their fit, right? It's not always that we hire someone for a particular role and like if you don't fit, you're out, right? It's also our our I think intense that hey, if you really are motivated, you are a good cultural fit. Can we find a different fit for you? You know, can you be doing something else um, within the team that you'd be much more happier doing and much more proficient at doing? Um, so there's a process of trying to find those fits, um, trying to make that transition happen, and um, also holding on to those the the team members that we have. That uh, over it took a while to get back to um, a steady state, right? So there's some natural attrition. I think we dropped back down to a team of maybe eight or nine. Um, and then after that, when when that happened, you know, kind of we learned our lesson and we started putting some things in place. Okay, how can we have a, a more um, strategic plan for business development? Um, how can we look at our hiring process? How can we also look at how we can fit new team members in? How yeah, so all these things start to come in, and then the next time we started to grow, it was a more comfortable, more organic growth and. But we wouldn't have known that unless we, you know, face that problem. Yeah, no one comes and tells you about this stuff. Yeah. So I think that, that for us, that was a good learning. Um, from, yeah, from a design standpoint, I think our biggest learnings are who are the people, who are the clients actually that we work best with or the clients that we would like to collaborate with. Because um, the reality is that as much as you like design to help everybody, everybody, or as much as you like to think that you know design is a uh, has a certain value for innovation, um, not not all clients have the same perspective on what their design outcome or intended goals are, um, and this mismatch in expectation means that sometimes you um, you don't find a a good. It just means that the delivery is mismatched, right? In terms of expectations or in terms of you know, hey, I wanted a very low risk outcome, but you give me a very high risk outcome. Um, so as we, the more work we do, the more we start to understand um, the, the nature of our team, the kind of work that they like to do, and also the kind of clients which actually um, resonate with the kind of work that, that we want to do. You know, like that it is grounded in research, is grounded in this need to, to question. Um, and also in how to deliver innovation in, in, a, in a human way, right? Um, and th yeah, they're all good things, but not everyone prioritizes that, yeah. So there, there are other core business priorities for other, uh, other organizations or other businesses. Um, so I think that's also uh, a good learning for us. In trying to account for, say, a growing team, right? And um, also at the same time, trying to ensure that the the outcomes or the deliverables that that um, are, are delivered um, as a start as a company. Do you think that there are any unspoken rules to design that um, you know things that come out from start always follow? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think there are too many unspoken rules. 
Um, you see, I think this ties into company training and also company culture. And you know, when you are when you are a smaller company, you can always rely on proximity. You know, you're close enough to every single project, um, or the seniors are close enough to everybody to be able to kind of infuse or diffuse that the way of working um, and the expectations for delivery. Um, but when the team grows and it starts to get a bit more disparate, then then you're stuck with that question again. Do we put some processes in place so that we can have uh, consistency in work or consistency in process or something? And that's something that we have always kind of thought about but have also been very resistant because it when you have too much like back to the the, the, the start right when you have too much of this it, it hinders uh, innovation um, so we've been trying to find a balance right and we've been trying to do other things like not setting the process but maybe celebrating certain outcomes like how Leticia has done the best in class um, and I think and also even things like training, right? Do you have to have everyone go for the train the same training? What if you pick your own training? And that's why we set up the sabbaticals for the team to pick, like, hey, what do you really want to do? And what, you know, like what course you want to take or what do you really want to build? Because sometimes growth isn't about learning or training as well. It's about um, learning through making or learning through experimentation and not just like attending a course. So um, those are some of the things that um, we've put in place more as um, aids. I don't think they are really processes, right? Because um, they are not fixed, you see. So I think it's a way for us to come to terms with we really don't want to put rules or processes in place, but at the same time, how can we have guideposts or how can, how can we have things in there which help the team? Hi, I'm Desiree and I'm one of the hosts for Stuck in Design. We hope our podcast has been helpful in sharing some perspectives on design, creativity and business. So now we'd like to hear from you. Drop us a comment or a DM online wherever you find us with a question and we'll answer them in an upcoming episode. See you next week.